Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 65. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Do you love vintage cars? Then go to CarsYeah.com and get a free copy of the fantastic Filler Up book. It's a full-color ebook filled with fuel filler fun with over 60 color photographs of vintage cars plus inspirational quotes from some of the most famous automotive enthusiasts of all time. Simply go to CarsYeah.com, click on the free book button on the homepage, and download your Filler Up book today. It's free at CarsYeah.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I'm extremely excited to introduce my very special guest, Jesse Alexander. Jesse, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Yes, indeed. I'm buckled up. I'm ready to go. Where do you want to go? (laughs) Just tell me where we want to go. We'll go on a fantastic journey of your life behind a camera lens. That's where we're going to go. Okay. All right. Jesse Alexander has been involved in photography and especially motorsports photography since the early 1950s when he covered the original Mexican road race. He spent many years in Europe covering Formula One and famous long-distance sports car races including the 24-hour of Le Mans, the Mille Miglia, and the Targa Florio. In that period of time, he also photographed theater and music personalities for the New York Times. His work is held by numerous private collectors and has been exhibited in museums in the United States, including the Birmingham Museum of Art, the Akron Museum, and the Santa Barbara Museum of Art. He's produced several films and published many books, with the most recent being Monaco, the Golden Age of the Grand Prix, with the foreword by Sir Jackie Stewart. Jesse's current body of work includes travel photographs of Iceland, the Galapagos Islands, and birds. Years ago, I was fortunate enough to spend the day with Jesse in his studio looking through racing photographs for a project I was doing, and I have to say that day goes down as one of the favorites in my life. Additionally, I have several of Jesse's photographs in my home that I've enjoyed for many years. So Jesse, I've told our listeners just a little bit about your amazing career. Please take a moment and share some more about your history, your career, your interests, and of course, your passion for automobiles. Okay, I'll do my best, Mark. I'm getting on fairly on in years. I'm 85 right now. This all started way back when I was a passenger in my dad's Packard in a parade in the 1930s. My dad loved Packards. Uh, he was a, an amateur photographer on his own, and car was really wonderful and exciting. I'm not sure when I first saw my first race car. I've seen plenty of photographs in the uh, various magazines just as I've subscribed to. And, well, here we go. <laughs> my first camera in my hands was given to me by my stepdad, and he was an amateur photographer. I really enjoyed taking snaps of people and my friends and all that. Then as I got older, to high school, I grew up doing World War II, and I was fascinated with the war coverage by so many wonderful photographers. Gene Smith, of course, Ansel. But Gene Smith was one of the greatest war photographers of all time, Robert Kappa. And the images these guys took, as a a youngster, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Pictures of airplanes on aircraft carriers, the raid from Tokyo with the B-25s taken off the carriers. All those were 
part of my my upbringing my as a young adult and during the Second World War. And so I really grew up with images like that. My first motorsport event, well, first of all, in the 1950s was when the first English sports cars were coming into the United States, the MGs, Morgans, Jaguar. And as a, a youngster, well, I was by then, I was in my late 18, 19, 20, I could not believe these little cars were so exciting. And of course, I just couldn't live without one. When I, my first one was an MGTD. And by then I was married. And we would go to some of the SCCA races that, which were held in on the airports in Southern California and then up in Golden Gate Park in the, in the Bay Area. So I was crazy with a camera taking snaps. And of course, today I look back and I go, where did those negatives go? Well, I have a few, but not too much. In 1953, my first wife and I went off to um, Mexico to cover the Carrera Panamericana. For some reason, I got into my head, this might be a fun exercise, a fun trip. And, of course, I took in a 16-millimeter camera, and I could be a, become a filmmaker. Well, that didn't really pan out, although I have some great 16-millimeter footage that is on my website. And that was probably the first real event for covering motorsport, the 1950 career Pan Americano. Wow. And I don't know if you remember any of the images from that, but there's a, you know, I was still snapping. It's really kind of a happy snapper is what one of my English friends called me, <laughs> uh, which is a great term. It's a British term. And as a happy snapper, I was in Mexico thinking I might do some film. I shot some movies, did some slides. And of course, I locked out and got a wonderful, colorful slide, chrome of a Porsche 550. I think it was a 550 at speed on one of the laps in Mexico, and it's, it's sharp, it's well-exposed, and it's really, you know, very proud of it. And, of course, here I am now, how many years later, and we have, in the new digital age, and we've scanned a lot of these images, and they're in my archive, and I treasure, I treasure those images. And that was just the beginning of an amazing career where you started traveling around the world and shooting all sorts of different races and we're going to talk about some of that as we move along. But as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote, a saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Jesse, take the wheel. As we talked earlier, one of my heroes, one of my great photographers who I admire so much is Ansel Adams, who is a legendary American photographer who dealt mostly in the and beautiful landscapes, and one of his landscapes is called Moonrise. And it's an incredible image of the moon coming up early in the morning in Mexico over the small little town of Hernandez. The title of the shot is Moonrise over Hernandez. Well, in my opinion, every photographer has a moonrise, and that shot, from on my part, is the Jimmy Clark portrait. That's my moonrise. You shot that picture of Jimmy when he was up on the podium, is that correct? Yes, it was 1962 at the Belgian Grand Prix Spa. Somehow, I was able to get myself up on the podium, which today, of course, would be an impossible nightmare to get up there. And here I was, and Jimmy, Jimmy has taken his trophy, and of course, he and I were, were in bosom buddies, but we knew each other, and he always seemed to be smiling. He had a wonderful sense of humor. 
and Jimmy turned to me, and I had my Leica up, and I snapped. It was a, a great snap. And little did I know that what I had was in my in my camera. And as I'm talking to you, I'm getting a chill. It's weird. I'm parked outside my car, very near the sanitation plant, and there's some work going off on the distance. I hope it's not interfering with us. Anyway, Jimmy, he was exhausted, and yet he was in a different place emotionally. He had just received, he had struck in his hands. In the image, the trophy's not visible, but Jimmy's there looking at me, and it's a very intense. And I'm sort of sharing that moment, almost a witness of some kind. I'm not sure I want to use that term too too much, but anyway, that's the other thing about photography. I'm I'm witnessing all these wonderful, wonderful events. Oh, absolutely. In that moment in time, he had just won the championship, right? I believe that's correct. Yeah. I'm always, I'm not perfect in my dates and places and what years I was, but I think it was 1962. And amusingly, often I will jot down the wrong date and somebody will write in and say, Jesse, that was 1962. You see those goggles Timmy's got? He only used those in 1962. And I thought, oh, okay, okay, you win. (laughs) I think that's just so great. That's pretty funny. Well, that's a, such a wonderful image. And for our listeners who haven't seen it, you, you must go to Jesse's website and, and see that image because it's almost a haunting image in the sense that you could see the emotion and exhaustion in Jim Clark's face at that moment. And to be there at that time and have him be a friend of yours must have been absolutely amazing. Definitely that uh, moonrise moment as you so eloquently described it. Could you share with us how that thought process has been a part of your life and your business, those moonrise moments, being a photographer, how you've incorporated that thought process into your life? Oh, that's a great question. That's a challenge. Um, that was 1962. I continued to cover motorsport until, I believe, 67, when I kind of felt I was getting burned out and I needed to do something else and uh, try to uh, take some pictures of it other other kind of uh, peoples and places. And so my wife and I returned from Europe and we settled in the Bay Area. And in the Bay Area, there, San Francisco is a photographer's dream city because there are lots of photographers. And one of my heroes, one of my other heroes besides Hansel, was Dorothea Lang, a famous FSA photographer from the 1930s when she covered depression scenes in the South and Central United States, and Dorothea lived in Oakland, and I was determined to go and see her and visit her, and she was gracious and wonderful, and again, I'm having chills talking about this, because it was such a memorable event, driving across the Bay Bridge over the, and then knocking on her door, and here was Dorothea, come in, come in, come in, we sat down on the couch and talked about pictures, and I told her what I was doing, and and she was really, it was a wonderful moment. That's an extraordinary experience just to meet some of your heroes in life, some of the people you are, are your uh, Oh, absolutely. Hero. Yeah, I'm sure there's a better term, but um, she was my heroine. And, and Dorothy was a famous, famous, famous lady. Yeah, oh, fantastic. Would you share with us a story that instigated your passion for cars, Jesse? That Tell us about that pivotal moment when you really knew that you were a car guy. 
<laughs> oh boy. I have to think about that for a second here. You know, what I'm thinking about right now is when I went to my first Grand Prix, and that was in France in 1954. Uh, how many years ago was that? Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, almost 60 years. 60 years, yeah. <laughs> 1954. That was the track at, at Rana's. The English people call it, Americans call it Reims. It's spelled R-E-I-M-S-N-S at Reims. Well, at Rana's that year, on the grid, where for the first time after the war was Mercedes-Benz. And there was Fonjo and Kling and Hans Herman driving these new W196s. Well, you know, this was an incredible event. It was a dream, a dream event. But uh, in addition to the Mercedes, there was Alberto Ascari with his uh, Ferrari. And there were Maseratis there. I think Fangio might have been on the Maserati. I'm not sure. Somebody, no, Fangio was in the Mercedes. So I was right there at the grid. And it's interesting because Mercedes-Benz has a press picture in their files of the start of around in 1954. I can pick myself out in the crowd of people hanging right there by the starting line. Oh, cool. Camera up. That's really very funny to do that. I look at a magnifying glass and say, look, oh, there I am. Yeah, I was there. Um, <laughs> I was there, Charlie. A little bit of 16-millimeter footage is on my on my website on, on the, uh, the start of that Grand Prix. And I think that was a major moment where I knew this is this is what I want to do. Oh, yeah. Must have been absolutely fantastic. So, Jesse, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and really crawl under the hood and, and get our hands a little dirty, if you will. Would you share with us a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced in your career that almost pushed you to a breaking point? And more importantly, share with us how you overcame that situation and what you learned from it. Wow. That's a cap tough one. <laughs> Not sure I'm prepared for that one, but um, I think I think what comes to mind is let's try this. And certainly a challenge, a very emotional time. Mm-hmm. The uh, German Grand Prix, uh, uh, Nurburgring, 1958, might have been 57. Anyway, it's when my uh, great friend Peter Collins was killed in the race. Mm. And he was in a front-engine Ferrari, must have been 58, when Fangio won in the Maserati. Uh, there was this terrible accident uh, towards the end of the race, and Peter crashed and was thrown out of his car and, and killed on the spot. And, of course, that news didn't come back to me until we were in the pits later at the, after the end of the race. And it was terribly sad, of course, obviously. And that, but that again, is not, was not the first time it happened. And you have to just overcome the, these moments of, of personal loss. Mac Fraser, the young American, was killed in 57 in a Lotus. We were buddies. We were friends. I have a picture of me with Mac, which Jason McFluggish took in the pits at uh, Ross. But these are moments which, um, which happened, which were uh, a big challenge of, uh, I think the challenge of all time, really. Oh, yes, definitely. And we've heard so many stories of, of the tragedies during the 50s and 60s and even into the 70s, a little bit of the dangers of racing. But in those days, the 50s, and you were there, for folks like me who weren't there and you see these pictures and you think, these these gentlemen were gladiators. They were so brave and so daring and so skilled to go out and race the way they did. 
it's just incredible. And, and I can't imagine losing so many friends year after year after year. But as many racers said, you just kept going. You just kept persevering. Yeah, I, I'm thinking as we're talking that the way to overcome this is to reflect on all the guys who are still around, who are worse, who are still, who survived. And thank God, thinking of Dan Gurney, who was alive and well and got a wonderful career going still in his 80s, pretty much my age. Sure. We lost Phil Hill at a, 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 a terrible Parkinson's disease years ago. Phil was a dear friend. Uh, these guys, you know, I, I'm not sure I like the term gladiator, but they sure, uh, I don't know what's a, it's a better term than that. They really went out and loved it until have a wonderful shot of Phil and then ever going downhill fast and training. And he's just there with a sport shirt on and his helmet, sort of a polo helmet. Sure. Yeah. And he's just going down flat out and, uh, all elbows and and uh, the Brits have a wonderful term. All, all elbows and something or anyone anybody can remember that. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, um, I think I know that saying very well. And you know what's great is is that you were there to capture this for us and show us not only the cars but the people. And that's what I love so much about your photography is the capture of people and emotion. You've done that so well, and you you continue to do that today. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum and share a story when you had a real aha moment in your photography career, a time when you realized that, you know what, I think I'm going to do this for a living. I think I can make it at this. And tell us about that moment in your your life. Well, I guess the best way to think about it is I woke up one morning, a bit of a cliche, however, and I realized that, that I'm an artist. I realized that I'm a photographer. Um, and this is my calling, taking a pause about that. I think I realized, you know, this is a gift. I'm a visual person, and uh, as I'm looking out of my car now, the, the light is beautiful on the leaves nearby. I'm always looking, whether it's a beautiful woman, a beautiful flower, an incredible um, moon in the evening, or clouds. You know, it's, I'm always looking, and I think that's that is for sure a gift. It is, definitely. What was your first really special car, Jesse? Can you tell us about that and maybe share a memory about it? Sure, of course. And this, again, was the uh, a great chapter in my life, living in Europe, living in Switzerland, which is in the central part of Europe, and being able to drive up or take the train, as I did, to the Porsche factory in Stuttgart and pick up a brand-new 356 oh, sports gosh. car Porsche. How fun. For like, And what it would cost, like $2,500, and drive it away from the factory. Can you believe such an experience now? Oh my God. Uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I had a number of wonderful 356s, and probably my next book will be about the 356 experience in, in Europe in the 1950s, driving on those terribly not empty, but you could really drive the way you wanted to drive and not and not get into trouble. Yeah, and, and enjoy the speed. Of course, naturally, in the autobahn, you could go faster you as you wanted to, but in France, Italy, 
you just drove and <laughs> yeah, and you paid attention. Yeah, you, you didn't sit out on the passing lane at fifty-five. You you know you moved over and you went carry flatters, as I said in England. There you go. What what wonderful memories and how fun, boy! I'm jealous of that one. How about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle that you've sold in your past that you really wish you could have back? Yes, of course. It's a great story. 300 SL Mercedes-Benz Gullwing. Ooh. This is a great. This is a great story. I think it was probably in the late fifties when, because I, I was often going over to the Mercedes factory and seeing the latest models. And one of the guys in the PR department, Rodolfo Mylander, was a wonderful photographer, by the way. Rodolfo said, "Jesse, you know, if, you, if you'd like a 300 SL, uh, I have uh, one of the directors of the factory is, uh, I think, would like to sell his car." And my ears pricked up, and that was it. Uh, the next thing I knew, I was driving a Gullwing. Wow. Um, as my daily driver. Can you believe that? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and uh, turns out, of course, down the road, after I went to the States and drove the car in the States for a while and had it over here, I went, well, decided to go back to England. And I thought, all oh, my life, and I, oh, I think I better sell this car. It's, it's, you know, what am I going to do with it? So, of course, I sold this Mercedes for $6,000. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, little yeah. did we know, Yeah. little did we know that that car was a special chassis, had a special chassis. And that particular chassis was the race winner in 1952 at Le Mans, oh, my. driven by Herman. Herman Long. Oh, no. Oh, wow. And, <laughs> and uh, the car, of course, today is just unbelievably valuable. And it's, thankfully, it's in the, pri- in the private collection of uh, a, a collector up in the, in the state of Washington. But I should have really hung on to that car. It was like a piece of priceless real estate, which you sell because it's... And, and then, of course, 20 years later, it's worth yeah, well, a, a I lot some, of money. I sometimes hate to ask that question because sometimes it can bring up uh, like uh, memories that you don't want to think about. But in, in retrospect, what a wonderful experience to have that vehicle and get to spend some time as Absolutely. its caretaker. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's great. That's for sure. Is there a current project you're working on right now, Jesse, that really has you excited and fired up? Yeah, we're working with my, my friend Oliver, who's my assistant, we're working on, on two projects. One is a new body of work of photographs from auto shows uh, in the 1950s and 60s, which are really lovely black-and-white images of new cars in the various automobile shows in Europe, which is going to be a really stunning body of work. But more than that, we're working on a, a lot of 356 pictures that I have in my archive, which... Uh, Coupled with uh, landscapes and shots of, of the uh, of the look of Europe, of the ambiance of the various European cities and countryside, I think uh, will make a really wonderful uh, could make a wonderful book. So we're, we're busy working on that as well. Oh, great! They both sound spectacular. I can't wait to see them. Now, here's an interesting question: If you were a car, what kind of car would you be, and why? <laughs> That's wonderful. I think if I were a car, I'd like to be a Citroen. Oh, wow. You know, Citroens are French cars, and I'd like to be in a uh, in a Citroen Maserati, because I had one of those, and that, again, was a car that I really should have kept. Um, 
I don't know if you know about the Citroen Maseratis, but it was a, a, up for a couple of years there with the Maserati engine. Sure. And uh, as my friend Dennis Jenkins would say about the Citroens, they get up and down on your knee on their knees for you. You know, they, you set the lever in the car, I'll go right down the bottom on the seat and get in and out very easily. Oh, and yeah. You raise it up if you want to go in the back roads. So I think that's what I would like to be if I were a car. I was just blown away by the design. Ah, okay. It was French design. Uh, I've always admired the trunks. Mm-hmm. Front wheel drive, but it had a very performance Maserati V6 engine there yeah. with a six-speed gear shot. Sure. Very gear special. Shot. Very special car. Well, that's good since you're such a very special person. So, Jesse, we're up to a favorite part of my talk. I call it the last lap. And being around racing, you know what that means. The white flag is out, and we're coming up towards the end of our discussion. This is where I fire off a series of questions, and you give our listeners very quick blips of the throttle answers. So, are you ready? Go ahead. Okay. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? Best automotive automotive advice? Yeah. Wow. Wow, what a great question. Um, <laughs> I think I would uh, have to go back to my friend Dennis Jengison again, who say... You can get on the door handles, but, but be careful. <laughs> now, what does that mean? Well, when you're on the door handles, you're pushing it. You're going 10 tenths, and you're you're asking for trouble at 10 tenths. Because oh. most drivers at speed, they go at 9 tenths. Okay, I get it now. That's great. I like that, especially coming from somebody so famous. <laughs> Would you share one of your personal habits with us that you believe has contributed to your success? Personal habits. That's great. I think, and this may be off the wall, but I think when I spot a beautiful woman walking down the street when I'm driving, I think, oh, my God. And it's just um, it's just an incentive, a genuine kind of sense of beauty that happens a lot every, every day. So it seems like your ability to see things differently, perhaps, is a piece of that success, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. A beautiful, a beautiful woman, a beautiful bird. Right. I get even it. A, <laughs> even, even a crow, even a simple black crow, can be certainly beautiful. Jesse, do you have a resource that you could share with our listeners that you're really fond of? Perhaps a website that you visit every day. Yeah, you know, I, I just do go to the New York Times website every every day, and funnily enough. On certain days, there's a there's an automotive story, particularly on on Sunday. The Sunday issue has it in the sports section has an automotive page, but I also go there to, to to read the editorials. I try to stay up on the what's going on in the world. Sure, yeah, that's a great great place to do that. Is there a book that you've recently read that you really enjoyed that you could share with us? Yes, I just put it down last night, and it was a wonderful book about the Royal Air Force, their bomber command during World War II. And the book is titled The Dam Busters. And huh? this was a special a special squadron who took it upon them. Uh, they were assigned the task of destroying several monumental dams in Germany, at the, which the Brits hoped would bring the war to a much earlier closure. Mm-hmm. So the, the Dam Busters is a, was really fascinating. 
I, 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 mean, I really love interest in aviation, and this is the most, my world's most recent book, The Ambusters. Great. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. Do you have any interesting hobbies outside of your passion for cars and photography? Oh, not really. I just think reading, and I'm a great collector of uh, photography books, but also I love classical music. Okay. And uh, one of my passionate passions is listening to a Rachmaninoff or Chicago in my car. Ah, great, great. Well, I'll remind our listeners that you can find links to all these great resources that Jesse has shared with us today at com slash Jesse Alexander. All right, Jesse, we're up to the checkered flag. This last question can be a real doozy for some people. <laughs> if you could only have one collector car in your garage, and it's something that you can't sell to buy a bunch of other cars with, you got to keep it, and money is no object. I'm going to buy you whatever you want. What would that vehicle be, and why did you choose it? That would be a 300 S alcoholing. Thank you very much. I'd love to have one. <laughs> you want that car back, I can tell. Yes, please. And again, what is it about the Gullwing that really tugs on your heartstrings? There are one or two details about that car, and you'll laugh at this one. The, the upholstery of the car was a very uh, unusual plaid cloth plaid, which uh, was used in the uh, race cars from that period. And that plaid was really, really significant and stood out. Also, it had fitted luggage. Can you believe that? Oh. It had a suitcase behind the steering, behind the seats. Very special. And I've seen 300 SL Gullwings and the Roadsters with those beautiful plaid seats. They are fantastic. It's something that you just don't expect when you look inside the cockpit of that vehicle and you go, wow, that is very yeah. cool. Well, great choice, great choice. Jesse, you've taken us on a wonderful journey today, and your stories have been spectacular. I have a feeling that we could sit and talk for hours and hours. In fact, I know we could. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with me and with my listeners. Is there one parting piece of guidance you could offer before you drive off into the sunset in that gull wing? Yeah, keep your eyes in the rearview mirror. <laughs> I like that. Eyes in the rearview mirror, yep, especially if you've got yeah. your, a heavy right foot. And there are two side mirrors on either side. You keep checking those mirrors. There you go. And use your, use your indicators. <laughs> Absolutely. Smart advice from a man who's traveled the roads of Europe and especially the Autobahn where... Driving fast and careful are very, very fun and important. Could you give our listeners a way to get a hold of you or a place they can go online to find out more about you and your photography? Yes, my website is, is jesse at jessealexander.com. And I'm happy. To, there's a way of contacting me there on that on that website. So if okay. anybody wants to just send me a shout. Still got a few books left to sell and uh, just stay tuned. I'll remind our listeners, I mentioned at the beginning of our interview, a new book that Jesse just came out with called Monaco, and it's a fantastic book. I would encourage people to get your hands on that. Christmas is coming, the holidays. It would make a wonderful gift for any automotive enthusiast. So go check that out, and we'll look forward to learning more and seeing your new books that are coming up. Listeners, you can find links to everything we've talked about here today at carsyad.com slash Alexander. Jesse, I want to thank you for being so generous with your time. I'll tell the listeners, Jesse literally pulled over his car, and we're doing that this interview from his car today, as he said. So 
you'll bear with us with some of the background sounds, the Amtrak train that flew by, and uh, some other work experience. But I really appreciate you taking the time today and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. It's really great to talk with you again. Until we talk again, we'll see you down the road. Thank you so much. You bet. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.